Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tension rising in Minneapolis as closing arguments in the trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin began today. The city is on edge ahead of the verdict, and so what are Democrats doing? Throwing gasoline on the fire. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. There should be some first principles, some, some basic truths that we can all agree on in this moment. Uh, notably, that rioting is wrong, that attacking innocent people or destroying their property because you're upset about something that they had no part in and nothing to do with is a disgrace and should be punished, and that people who engage in that behavior should be embarrassed, and that anybody who encourages it is acting in a way that is reckless, irresponsible, immoral. But that's not the sense you're getting from the media. No, not at all. In fact, if anything, as the whole country seems to be bracing for riots because of a trial regarding police use of force, uh, use of force and the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, every city and, and many towns are, are getting ready for what could be serious unrest. And I don't really like that term. Mayhem and chaos, a better way of describing it. And what are the media outlets focusing on? Making sure that this is going to be as ugly as possible, perhaps. Making sure that there is a sense that this is justified because of the threat of right-wing violence. Oh, that's right. We're all ready for what we know to be BLM and Antifa-based violence this week. And it's already been happening because of a different incident in recent weeks in Minnesota. And yet here's what 60 Minutes featured on Sunday night. They have chapters all across America and were at the center of the attack on the Capitol. Who are the Oath Keepers? A large percentage have tactical training and operational experience in either the military or law enforcement. 60 Minutes tonight on CBS. That's right. The country is bracing for riots from the left. But 60 Minutes is doing stories on the serious threat of the Oath Keepers. I can tell you this much, it's not going to be Oath Keepers who are lighting businesses on fire, stealing sneakers and handbags, and throwing bricks and Molotov cocktails at law enforcement officers. I can assure you of that. You don't get that sense from 60 Minutes though, do you? Almost like they have a different agenda. When we see what the media is doing here, when we see what Democrat leadership is saying, it's very hard to come away with this and not feel like they're actually rooting for riots, hoping for things 
to get worse. They view this as a catharsis for the Democrat base. They view this as part of that spirit of activism and, and the progressive change that must come about sometimes through a rebellion against the system. All this, all this fancy flowery language to describe ruining people's livelihoods, destroying neighborhoods, terrifying people who are just trying to go about their lives, feed their families and go to bed at night. That's what riots really do. Maxine Waters doesn't care though. She's out there making sure that everyone knows you got to get right up in their faces and be more confrontational. Here's what this member of Congress said. I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that they say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we, got, we cannot go away. And not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree. It's coming from what happens if we do not get, get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens... What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street, uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need business. More confrontational. Downtown Minneapolis looks like Baghdad in the green zone. I would know. I've been there a few times. And yet here we are being told that, by, according to a member of Congress, it needs to get even more tense. There needs to be more anger. And with that, we know more destruction, more violence, more assaults from these protesters who are also going to become, in many cases, rioters. This is reckless. Nobody should be saying this, especially somebody who is a member of the United States Congress. This is about a trial. She said murder in the first degree. That's not even a charge. They're not even charging murder in the first degree, but that's what she wants to be the outcome? <sighs> Don't go to Maxine Waters for legal analysis. Here is... Jen Psaki, when asked about the Maxine Waters comments. Well, I can speak to the president's view. Um, he has been very clear that he recognizes the issue of police violence against people of color, communities of color, is one of great anguish, and it's uh, exhausting and quite emotional at times. Uh, as you know, he met with the Floyd family last year and has been closely following the trial, as we've been talking about, and is committed to undoing this long-standing systemic problem. Uh, his view is also that exercising First Amendment rights and protesting injustice is the most American thing that anyone can do. But as he also always says, protests must be peaceful. Uh, that's what he continues to call for and what he continues to believe is the right way to approach uh, responding. Just a bunch of euphemisms and blather and talking points from the White House on this issue. How about, a, how about a statement of solidarity with the three quarters of a million law enforcement officers in the country who are keeping their communities safe day in and day out, and how this is not representative, this one trial is not representative of all of them, that charges of systemic racism and how all police are tainted with it are unfair and deeply harmful, as well as disrespectful, disrespectful to the cops, harmful to society. Do you want to hear anything like that from... Biden, no, Biden will bend the knee. Oh, we, yeah, he, he cares so much. Biden cares so much about injustice. Sure he does. Really? Yeah, as he's like phoning it in from the golf course, making millions of dollars on speeches. I mean, give me a break. No one really believes this stuff, right? But there are plenty of phonies out there. Of all the things that, has been, that have been said that are just unfair and reckless in the last few days, a CNN anchor who's just in, in an absurdity in so many ways said something that you need to hear because this was on national TV, 
and people hear it and they believe it, and that's appalling. Here's what Cuomo said. Forget that police are trained to deal with non-compliance with force that is not lethal. Hey, comply or die. You know what I mean? And you know what the answer is? You really do. You don't like it. I don't like it. It scares me. Shootings, gun laws, access to weapons. Oh, you, I know when they'll change. Your kids start getting killed. White people's kids start getting killed. White people's kids start getting killed. That's the game changer. Uh, he's a moron and uh, either can't read or lies to you. Here's some statistics easily compiled by, based on news stories and, and FBI data. Uh, number of people killed in fatal police shootings. Black, this is through April 12th of this year. Black, 52. Unarmed, 3. White, 109. Unarmed, 5. You will see that there are considerably more white people than black people killed by police in America, including this year. Now, we could talk about the proportional difference in there, but that's not what he said, and that's a whole other conversation. What he said is, until white kids start dying, nothing changes. No, white, white people are shot by police in this country, and there are no riots that we expect. That is a difference, and we should ask why that is. All right. Coming up, we'll get on the combustible situation in Minneapolis and the Biden administration's decision to withdraw from Afghanistan with Florida Congressman Michael Waltz. Stay with us. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time and the ability really to just start on your own? I felt exactly the same way as you until a little over a year ago. I love the idea of real estate investment, always have, but how was I ever going to get started in real estate investing without making big rookie mistakes and a lot of risk that comes along with that? Right? Like you, I'm really busy. And I didn't want to make some error because I just didn't know what I was doing. But then I linked up with some experts, my friends at Done For You Real Estate. They took all of the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property, actually the first home I ever bought. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me. And now I get a check every month like clockwork. They've taken me through every stage of the process from getting the city, right? Picking where you want to do this, getting the house lined up, getting the loan, and even getting a tenant in place. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For You Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how it works. That's doneforyoubuck.com, doneforyoubuck.com today. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We've got to stay in the street and we've got to, we've got to demand justice. What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street, uh, and we've got to get more active, we've got to get more confrontational, we've got to make sure that they, they know that we need business. Republicans are now demanding action against Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters after those remarks she made during a protest in Minnesota over the weekend. GOP House Leader Kevin McCarthy tweeted, Maxine Waters is inciting violence in Minneapolis just as she has incited it in the past. If Speaker Pelosi doesn't act against this dangerous rhetoric, I will bring action this week. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced a, resol a resolution to expel Waters, saying she is, quote, a danger to society. Waters' remarks come as the nation braces for a verdict in the Derek Chauvin murder trial. 
Here at REACT, we have Florida Republican Congressman Michael Waltz. Congressman Waltz, always good to see you, sir. Yeah, thanks, Buck. Good to be with you. What's your reaction? I, I know that there's a partisan separation here, but there are supposed to be some basic principles, rules, yeah. morality uh, that, that all members of Congress adhere to. What do you think of what Congressman Waters said? Well, I think as leaders, we should all be working to tone down the rhetoric, tone down the emotion, and let our justice system play out. Uh, there is a whole process behind uh, behind choosing jurors, behind having you know the court system render a verdict, uh, and for someone like Maxine Waters to stand in the street and say, if we don't get the verdict that we want, uh, we need to get more confrontational. Uh, it, it, it boggles my mind how she could say that in all in conscious. And then how does attacking minority-owned businesses, how does burning businesses, how does burning cars and making underserved or underprivileged neighborhoods even worse off achieve those ends? Uh, it, it, I, I really don't understand it. I don't get it. Uh, look, if there is there is frustration with policing, uh, I understand that. But the worst thing and the last thing we should do is take more funding away from them, take the training away from them, uh, and and the and the neighborhoods that are affected the most are the ones that Maxine Water purports to represent. Now, I I have to ask as well, uh, given what we've seen in recent months, it's clear that. Democrats uh, can use very substantial uh, force and, and force protection measures. We saw that in D.C. because of what we were told was the ongoing threat for months of an insurrection led to fencing around the Capitol, the deployment of thousands of National Guard troops. Do you think the Biden administration is taking steps? I know that there's a lot of state and local law enforcement that obviously would be uh, on the front line in a situation of riots in Minneapolis. But do you think the Biden administration is taking all due steps to provide federal support, including the deployments that are necessary to make sure that we don't see whole neighborhoods of Minneapolis or perhaps other cities burned. Yeah, it's pretty incredible to, to have seen more troops around the Capitol uh, than we had in Iraq and Afghanistan combined, right? So, you know, the Democrats have no problem, the left has no problem funding police as long as it's the Capitol Police that they feel like are protecting them or deploying the National Guard that they feel like are protecting them. But when it comes to these business owners in these areas that are literally having their livelihoods burned to the ground and ripped out from under them, uh, then you know there's all types you know, of resistance uh, to having appropriate security measures. It's just frankly hypocrisy at its worst. Mention troops and deployments. I just wanna transition us for a moment uh, to what's going on with the Biden administration decision to pull all U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. You're a, a former Special Forces soldier yourself, uh, as well as a congressman, and you have been concerned about this. Just, just tell us your thinking on this and, and how you're viewing this. Yeah, look, I certainly get it as someone who's deployed there multiple times. You know, the critics of, of the length of the effort, too hard, too long, too expensive, totally understand that. What Biden is doing and just ripping our soldiers out uh, without any conditions on the ground, people will say, well, well, Trump started the drawdown, but he had conditions in place. The Taliban had to enter a ceasefire. They had to denounce al-Qaeda. Uh, they had to be serious about the peace process. 
And the reason President Trump didn't go to zero is the Taliban hadn't lived up to their end. Bottom line is the intelligence community is clear that just as ISIS came roaring back in Iraq, that led to the deaths of untold hundreds of thousands of people and attacks across Europe and the United States, Al-Qaeda is going to do the same in Afghanistan. But here's why it's worse, Buck, and you can appreciate this. In the Middle East, around Iraq, we have all kinds of options to go back in, from Israel, from Turkey, from the Gulf states. In Afghanistan, you look at the map, what surrounds it? China, Russia, Iran, and Pakistan. We don't have any other options once we give that base away, and we're gonna lose far more soldiers fighting our way back in with the Taliban in charge and with all of our local allies that have been hunted down and persecuted. And the next 9-11, the next San Bernardino Pulse nightclub, that happens in the United States, the next attack is gonna be on Biden's hands. So just to be clear, Congressman Waltz, you, you do believe that there's a high probability that there will not only be an, an ascendancy of the Taliban in Afghanistan after the drawdown, but that you think there will be also uh, ISIS or Al Qaeda or whatever the group may call itself going forward, right? There'll be some jihadist entity that strikes at the United States and other allies as a base, essentially, we're going back to where we were 20 years ago. Is that what you think is right. going to happen? Yeah, we're going to go right back to where we were before 2001. But this time we will have lost uh, the trust of any local allies that we have. They will have been hunted down. They are being hunted down by the Taliban as we speak. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we don't have the same basing options. At least back then we went out of Uzbekistan. We had Tajikistan. We had other options. Those have all been closed off to us now. And the other piece, you know, Buck, that nobody's talking about, Biden says he's doing this because we need to shift our focus to China. I'm all for that. But what's the only country in the world that we have a base currently that actually borders China? It's Afghanistan, also on the southern flank of Russia and the eastern flank of Iran. So there's also a role there for great power competition and why we would just give that real estate away that we fought so hard for when the Afghan government wants us to stay. Uh, is is really incredible to me. And then to do it on the 9-11 anniversary is just tone deaf and insulting. What would be your advice? If, if, if we could get you in the Oval with President Biden and his top national security officials, uh, Secretary of Defense, head of the, uh, you know, uh, the National Security Advisor, all of them, what would you want them to do yeah. in Afghanistan? We need to leave a small presence there, which is what we were down to, that can keep a lid on Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and half the world's terrorist organizations, number one. And number two, a, a small presence that's advising and assisting the Afghan army. The Afghan army is doing the vast majority of the fighting. We didn't lose anyone in Afghanistan last year, and we lost six the year before. That was less than we lost in naval training accidents in the United States Navy. So I think that insurance policy is is well worth it versus having to fight our way back in after we have the next attack in the United States. Look, if his goal is to bring a few thousand troops home, we still have troops sitting in the Sinai watching shipping going by 30,000 in Germany, 50,000 in Japan, 30,000 in, in South Korea. We are forward deployed all over the world. Uh, and so if you want to bring a few thousand troops home, do so. Here's the other irony is those few thousand troops that are in Afghanistan are just gonna get repositioned around the Middle East to be prepared to go back in when they're needed. I really don't think you're gonna see that many actually come home. Uh, Congressman Waltz, I hope you're wrong, but I 
Can't say that you will be, and I'm concerned too, and yeah. I appreciate you sharing your perspective on all this. Really do. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, bud. See ya. As vaccination rates continue to climb across the U.S., when will masks and social distancing finally be a thing of the past? Well, the answer may be never, at least in the state of Oregon. We got more on that with the Federalist David Marcus when we return. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I've warned you about home title theft, where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title and become the owner. I said, you better get home title lock because it's coming. Well, if you're on Facebook, the big breach is here. Facebook had 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves. And according to a retired FBI cybercrime expert, everything thieves need to take over as the new owner of your home has already been leaked. Name, address, personal information, it's out there. The thief forges your signature on a quitclaim deed stating you sold your home to him. He'll leave you in debt or even have you evicted. Do what I did and protect your home's title with Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then sign up for 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach. Again, go to HomeTitleLock.com and use promo code RADIO. That's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. The first thing you got to realize that when you get vaccinated, your risk of getting infected dramatically diminishes and is very low. So then the obvious question is, why are there any restrictions? They're all because in a certain situation, one can get vaccinated, have no clinical disease at all, but get infected and not even know it and have replication of virus in your nasopharynx and inadvertently transmit it to somebody else who might actually be unvaccinated and get ill. That's the reason why you want to wear a mask there. Dr. Fauci once again reiterating that you have to wear a mask even after you're fully vaccinated because of the incredibly remote chance that you could still inadvertently infect an unvaccinated person. It seems like the Fauciites are intent on making masks a permanent fixture of American society, and that's not hyperbole. Officials in the state of Oregon are considering indefinitely extending rules requiring masks and social distancing in all businesses in the state. That's right, permanent mask mandate. Now, they could always change that, of course, but they're looking to make it permanent. According to reports, the state would keep the rules in place until they're, quote, no longer necessary to address the effects of the pandemic. But what would that really be? At what level? Well, they'll get back to you on that. Joining me now, New York correspondent for the Federalist, David Marcus. David, good to see you. How you doing? Doing well, Buck. How are you? I've been telling, I'm good, man, but I've been telling people forever, the logic of the lockdowner position here has been that when we get toward the, the terminus of the true pandemic, the arguments that they've made and the, the mass hysteria that they have induced around so many things will result in people saying, you know what? You guys are right. When we were saying at the beginning that why did we never mask up for the flu season? And they said, shut up. Everyone has to mask. It's going to turn into we probably should mask up for the flu season, for COVID variants, for the continuation. I, I think that now we're in the, 
This is going to be a fight that drags out certainly through the end of this year, but deep into next year and maybe the one after that. I absolutely. And, and I mean, it's so absurd uh, at this point. I really, I, I put a lot of this back to last year uh, about this time when you saw candidate Joe Biden and tons of Democrats and media personalities wearing masks in absurd and needless circumstances. I mean, you'd see Biden interviewed by a reporter who was a football field away um, and he had this mask on for absolutely no reason. And it was almost explicitly said like, Oh, this isn't medical. We're, we're trying to, to set a good example. But, uh, you know, a, a mask serves a purpose, right? I mean, condoms are effective at stopping certain STDs. That doesn't mean that you wear one to dinner. Um, there's, a, there's a reason to wear a mask. Uh, it, it has a purpose. And we've reached a point where uh, it, it's just virtue signaling right now. I took my son to a baseball game. We were 20 feet away from anybody outside. Uh, and we were supposed to have this mask on. It's, it's absolutely absurd. It, it is absurd, and what I think is so interesting is that the people that were demanding these policies before always suggested the science was on their side. And that was debatable, and that's putting it mildly to begin with, but that was always the claim. Now that it's just gotten to the point of, of abject absurdity, I mean, there is no basis for outdoor masking as a considerable risk. They're, they're seizing upon one in 10,000, one in 50,000 or 100,000 by the numbers risk factors to continue these policies. And when you push them enough, I think that they're becoming more explicit with saying, well, this is about showing good behavior. Like we all wear masks so we get a pat on the head from Lord Fauci and people at CNN feel like their work here is done. That's kind of terrifying because they're saying this now more openly than ever before. Yeah. And, and I mean, now it's getting walked back. Right. I mean, now you're starting to see articles in places like The Atlantic saying, oh, well, maybe we should only be wearing the masks when it's medically needed. When during the campaign, uh, you know, Trump was literally killing people by not wearing a mask in situations where the CDC didn't call for a mask to be worn. So, you know, so much of this is unraveling. And I mean, it's happening sort of so so quickly, but at the same time, at such a distance from what we were going through a year ago, uh, that these people are really pretending that they weren't saying things that they really explicitly were saying. And they just don't seem to care. Governor Ron DeSantis, who has done the best job of any big state population governor out there, gets into a very important point on vaccination right now. I want to play that clip for you. So you know, my view is, is you know, if you, if you get a vaccine, the vaccines are effective, you're immune. And so act immune. Uh, if you tell people the opposite, then gee, you know, why, if it's not effective for them and it's not going to change anything, then what's the point of going through it? Now, he's a guy who pays close attention to the numbers, to what works, what doesn't, which is why Florida has become the, the beacon of freedom for the rest of the country, where California, COVID disaster. Michigan, COVID disaster. New York, New Jersey, same thing. People go, okay, well, maybe Florida actually had something right here. And largely, I think it's by somebody who doesn't politicize the data, who looks at it for what it is. He's talking here about incentives for vaccination. If the big problem, we're told, David, is we can't get enough people vaccinated fast enough, there should be a trade-off in the minds of the Fauciites and all the people that support him and the, and the Biden administration that, okay, even in the very unlikely scenario that vaccinated people might be able to pass this to somebody and that that would somehow contribute to, it would, we all know, it, we're talking less than 1% of transmission, at, at a minimum, less than 1% of transmissions, what would be happening? 
from the vaccinated population to the rest of the population. But also, if people believed, I get the shot, I get to then go around and not wear a mask, it would be a game changer. You would have far more people. Right now they're saying, so I take the risk, I don't get any benefit, and for what? Well, yeah, I mean, the rules keep changing and the rules are always changing in the direction of more restrictions on the American people. I mean, at first we were told if you catch COVID, uh, then you're immune to COVID. In fact, I had Dr. Monsef Slawi, the head of Operation Warp Speed, tell me that last July. Uh, Then suddenly that wasn't true. And no, you still have to wait for the vaccine. Then you'll be immune. Now we have the vaccine and you're still not immune. Um, So, yeah, the the rules keep changing. And every time the rules change, they change in such a way that place these restrictions on people's lives. To me, it's starting to not seem like a coincidence, right? Yeah. And uh, Governor Halfwit over at Michigan, uh, running the state of Michigan, much to their uh, you know, everlasting shame. She's uh, trying to, I, I like this one, you'll appreciate it. She decided to slip, because her state right now is, it's terrible, it's a disaster. They had the worst spike of COVID anywhere else in the country. And she's, you know, real proud of their outdoor and indoor mask mandates and all this stuff. Meanwhile, Texas, Mississippi, no mask mandates, 100% businesses doing fine. Almost like maybe getting people out of enclosed spaces and outside and getting fresh air. And m- maybe there's actually an epidemiological benefit to that. I don't know if anyone ever wanted to think about that on the lockdown left. But here she is trying to throw some shade at Florida. It was kind of sad, but you got to see it. Well, at the end of the day, this is going to come down to whether or not everyone does their part. Uh, that's the most important thing. This variant, the B117 variant, is what is growing so quickly here in Michigan. We have the second most of it than, I think, right after Florida. At least that was the last data that I saw. Michigan and Florida are not next to each other. But this is the time of the year that snowbirds come home from Florida, where people are going on spring break, and all of these things can contribute to spread. And that's why we're imploring people to take this seriously, mask up, get tested. If you've been around someone who's positive, stay home. I mean, this woman is an imbecile, but put that aside for a second. <laughs> Trying to bring Florida into this. She's saying they have the cases. They're, they're responsible because of the snowbirds coming back. Florida's doing, right. Florida doesn't have the problems Michigan does. Why is that? Yeah, and I, I mean, it, it's, it's not like anybody is going to Florida from the rest of the country, right? I mean, the Florida's got Disney World. Florida's been open. Everybody's flocking to Florida. So, I mean, you know, but by, by Whitmer's bizarre logic here, you know, it could be the people from Michigan and New York going to Florida. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It's foolishness. We look at the numbers. Obviously, Florida had a much better response, both in terms of health and in terms of economics than Michigan. And she can spin it any way that she wants. So can Cuomo. So can Newsom. The facts are the facts. And the American people aren't stupid. David Marcus of The Federalist. Go check out his latest at thefederalist.com. Give him a follow on Twitter as well. David, good to see you. Always good to see you, man. A big breakthrough on the border as President Biden finally called. President Biden over the weekend finally called the situation at our southern border a crisis. But less than 48 hours later in the White House is walking back his public comments. Yeah, walking back the president's comments. Here is White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki earlier today. President Biden over the weekend mm-hmm. called what happened at the border a crisis. Is that now the official White House position that there is indeed a crisis at the border? The president does not feel 
that children coming to our border seeking refuge from violence, economic hardships, and other dire circumstances is a crisis. Huh. Who's really in charge here? And how are they supposed to make any of this better at the border? Is that even really their goal? Here to discuss, we got Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union. Matt, good to see you as always. Buck, how are you? You know, I'm just old enough. I was around working for President Bush. Actually, this was after I left uh, that they passed this law that said the kids could come into the country. The whole reason why they passed that law, because when a kid walks to our southern border and is unaccompanied, kind of sounds like a crisis. Yeah. And when you have kids who are drowning, crossing the Rio Grande, you have kids who are being sexually assaulted, you have kids who are being human trafficked and put in incredibly dangerous circumstances in ever-increasing numbers, as we see, Matt. We can just look at the data month to month. The numbers are going yeah. up and up. This month and next month, from what I understand, you know, I'm going to be at the border in just a few days, so I'll come back and we'll be talking about it. Uh, but the numbers keep going up. I think that people who are paying attention to this, you know, the whole country's bracing for the riots that we expect are going to happen, which is a tragic commentary in and of itself. Uh, but there's, there's a, a lack of focus on the fact that the Democrats in charge right now, Biden, his White House, and, and all the rest, they don't actually view this, meaning the huge surge of people crossing the country illegally, as a problem to fix. They just want it to be more streamlined and more efficient. Well, that's, that's right. That's why uh, they've not allowed the press to go really witness anything at the border. Members of Congress have demanded to, to see what they could, but they can't do it with uh, video cameras, which is amazing because this is the left that supposedly is the friend of the media and the media seems to be just fine with being kept out of the picture. Look, I think this was very cynical. I think they, the Democrats, the socialists believe it aims their politics. Uh, it's helpful to their politics if we have an open border, let's call it for what it is. They want endless numbers of people to the south of us to be able to walk into this country and they want us to welcome them with open arms and they want to give them assistance, federal assistance, healthcare, and every step they need to get, get started in our society and then leverage the right at some years down the road to give them amnesty. President Trump solved this problem at the border, it took him two years. Uh, and the Biden administration, I think they have opened up a can of worms. I don't think they're gonna ever be able to fix this border. And I think it's going to be a bigger and a bigger political problem for them. President, uh, former President Trump going to be appearing on uh, Sean Hannity's show. Here's just a, a preview of what we're going to be hearing about. It's a horrible situation. Could destroy our country. People are pouring in, but you'll see something as the months go by like you've never seen before. Already it's like you've never seen before. There's never been anything like what's happened at our border. And people are coming in by the tens of thousands. They're walking in. They, they, we had, all he had to do was leave it alone. All he had to do, meaning all Biden had to do, was leave it alone. Uh, Matt, I think one of, the, one of the aspects of this that's, I wouldn't say it's gotten lost in translation or that people misunderstand. I, I think there's been an active effort by the Democrat-aligned media and by the, the Biden White House to pretend that this is not a direct effect, what we're seeing at the border, of choices that they made the second Joe Biden took the Oval Office. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, they first tried to blame Donald Trump for what was happening at the border, and obviously that was ridiculous because uh, Donald Trump witnessed all these caravans and 
he really took a lot of crap for closing that border and getting the wall funding despite Paul Ryan and other people trying to prevent that from happening. In the first year, he got that done by the second budget uh, agreement. And no, I think you're right. I think the attempt is to kind of point towards any Republican inside as it being their fault. But I think the American people are on to this. By the way, Buck, I don't really view this as much of a Republican success at the border. It was a Donald Trump success. And I think the people in this country who most applaud what he did at the border, quite honestly, are Hispanics, people like my wife's family who came here legally. When they see people just streaming in between gaps in that wall, it infuriates them. And yet we're getting a sense of what the real focus is from this Biden White House, given that there is this ongoing border crisis that's happening. It was announced today in a Washington Post article that Biden has ordered Immigration and Customs Enforcement and CBP to stop using the word alien. All U.S. immigration enforcement agencies cannot use alien, illegal alien. Don't use the term assimilation when referring to immigrants in the United States. These, are wi- these have been widely used. Alien will become non-citizen or migrant. Illegal is to become undocumented. Here we go. The activists are writing the script for the Biden administration exactly as many of us were predicting all, all along here, Matt. I've just got to say, in federal law, it still says illegal alien, but the Biden propaganda apparatus is hard at work here. Remember, there's no more political document in our society than the, uh, Webster's Dictionary. The left seems to have a stranglehold on reimagining, that's kind of a euphemism, the definition of words. And of everything you said that was offensive, the thing that's the most offensive is that they can't use the word assimilation. So what does that mean? That means that this whole idea of America as a place where immigrants could come legally with different religions um, and different cultural backgrounds, but love the idea of America, that is racist, Buck. I gotta chastise you. Uh, You don't want people to assimilate and become kind of unified, even though Joe Biden likes to use the term, and become uh, lovers of America. Instead, you want a bunch of people from around the globe, including a bunch of malcontents who don't like America, to come here and forever change this country by never accepting the reasons why America has been so successful, or as President Trump would say, great. That is the biggest problem with the way the left approaches the open southern border. Just just real quick, Matt, before we, we got to go, do you think that this is going to cost the Democrats? I know the midterms feels like eons away, but it'll be here before we know it. Do you, do you think, based on what you're seeing, hearing, and, and reading about the polls on this issue, that the border crisis will cost the Democrats? Because I would have thought last summer BLM would cost them, and we got President Biden. Well, uh, I would quibble with that a little bit, Buck. I know I was a little out there on what happened in the election. Yes, Joe Biden is our president, but they had to do some pretty extraordinary things to win the presidency. By the way, Republicans won up and down the line. Most people thought that we would lose the majority in the Senate. Even with the worst case scenario of Georgia, the Senate is tied. We picked up all those seats in the House. Now Nancy Pelosi literally has a majority by just a couple of votes. So not only do I think the Republicans will take back the House majority, just on the southern border alone, not even all this other craziness we're reading about, like gender wars and everything else, just the southern border alone, the Republicans should win back uh, the House. But even in the short term, it's gonna get harder and harder for Nancy Pelosi and this kind of left-wing Democratic agenda 
to easily sail through the House of Representatives. If I'm wrong, it means America has embraced socialism. I don't think we're there yet, but we better wake up. I got to find an island in the South Pacific just in case things get really crazy here. But good to see you, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks, Buck Sexton. Keep up the great work. Have you ever noticed how people on the left tend to be pretty miserable? There's a poll that proves it. That story coming up in Quick Hits. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. The government's passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency. And many experts are now predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Call them right now, 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. A new poll tells us what we already knew about liberals and a sheriff in Florida states the obvious, but not everyone's saying it, about riots. We've got those stories right now in Quick Hits, and we have for you, starting with this poll, New York Times poll shows liberals are miserable and conservatives are happy. Political junkies might be interested to learn that conservative women are particularly blissful. 40% say they're happy. That makes them slightly happier than conservative men and significantly happier than liberal women. The unhappiest of all are liberal men. Only about a fifth consider themselves to be very happy. Uh, yeah, being a liberal man, being, you know, signing on for this kind of beta male mentality all the time. Not, not a good move, not, not something, not a recipe for feeling good about yourself, about your masculinity, about your role in the world, anything else. But a lot of libs running around, they think that this is better for them. I, we, hey, the water is warm over, on over in conservatism. We welcome you. Come, come over to our side, please. Love to have you. And you'll be happier. Yeah, that's the part of this. That really, at the end of the day, it's not about who gets the most retweets on Twitter and who gets the most uh, you know, TV viewers or anything else. How do you feel at the end of the day? I'll tell you one thing. Great part of being a conservative in the media with all the, all the suppression of our ideas and all the uphill bullcrap we deal with from the corporate media being completely dominated by leftists and everything else, we sleep well at night. We feel good about what we do. I feel great about what I do every day. Tell people the truth, spread, it, spread information and knowledge that they find useful and helpful. Sleep like a baby. Don't go to bed every night. Why do I not have purpose? Oh, I need to be on MSNBC more. Maybe if I get, if I get a better column at the New York Times. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But that's just in the media perspective. I, I think you extrapolate this all throughout society. You get similar dynamics between conservatives and liberals. We go to bed at night knowing who we are and feeling good about what we do. There's that. And I don't mean just professionally. I mean in general. CNN senior legal analyst, here speaking of somebody in the media is probably really unhappy. Uh, defense begins the closing by defining reasonable doubt, not with Derek Chauvin is innocent. Think about that, legal analyst. Um, yes, that's a, a, a bedrock legal principle for a criminal trial. 
And there are a lot of areas of conflicting testimony from experts on both sides. And so when there's conflicting testimony, guess what that creates? Reasonable doubt. And what is the obligation of a jury in a situation where they cannot, beyond a reasonable doubt, know that this was, uh, that there was a, a defendant here who is in fact guilty of the crimes alleged? A not guilty verdict. But in a country where we're all expecting effectively uh, there to be mass riots all over the place, if the left doesn't get their way, well, then it's a little bit trickier, isn't it? We're, we're having a trial with essentially the threat of hostage taking going on around it, but the left has no problem with this because they don't care about the system, they don't care about the principles, they care about power and getting their way. Uh, the good news is there are some people who are already speaking out about, uh, against the notion that riots are just going to, riots don't just have to happen. Human beings can all make the decision, we're not going to riot. They want to peacefully protest, great. Get together, hold your placards, make your voices heard, go on TV, put it on social media, great. First Amendment, we love it, right? I don't agree with what they're saying necessarily, but I agree with the right to say it. Riots or something else. Here's a sheriff from Polk County, Florida, who's saying, look, you're coming down to Florida, that's great. We love people coming down to Florida. Obey the laws, no riots. Peaceful protest, we encourage, and more riot. We can tell the difference. And I'll guarantee you that you'll be able to tell the difference if you come here and riot. If you come here and protest peacefully, we encourage that. Seen it time and time again, law enforcement all across the country, when people are, are peacefully protesting, law enforcement actually uh, protects them, keeps them from being in you know, traffic accidents and incidents, make sure that there's some basic crowd control so people feel free to, to say what they want to say and, and they don't have to fear anyone you know, assaulting them or doing anything to, to harm them while they're exercising their First Amendment rights. That's what happens during peaceful protests. We've all seen it. I've seen it hundreds of times across the country now. Or you can burn down buildings, attack cops, break storefronts, steal things. That's rioting. People who do that should be punished. Let's be very clear on that right now, because the Democrats certainly aren't. All right, that's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.